This is Zero Waste Trash Talk with Michael and Maris, and today we're going over the story of plastic featured on Amazon, and we're interviewing our friend John Hotkins today, a Nashville waste diversion specialist and musician. The music you hear right now, he so kindly gave to us through his iPhone, and also rhymed with the word polypropylene. Tell me that's not impressive. Parts and pieces rolling down the assembly line. Each one is connected one at a time. Human hands and sweat replaced by machine. And metal and woods replaced by polypropylene. How are you today, Michael Brandt? I'm doing awesome. He's doing awesome. So am I. I had a good workout this morning. Hung out with my friend Blake, and our dogs got to hang out and run around the gym, and it was nice. It was nice to run around. When I was just telling Blake this morning how much I learned from you. Well, we learn from and encourage each other. So, I mean, in your curiosity, you know, sometimes makes me look, look stuff up. Right <laughs> on. Like you ask me a question, I'm like, well, I don't know that, but I feel like I should, so hold the phone. And you've taught me to do that, to look it up. Michael Braid is a great resource, ladies and gentlemen, but you can look stuff up yourself. That's, That's how we all learn. <laughs> Let us help you. Google, Let Google it. Yeah, Google it. Let Google help you. We're so lucky. Or DuckDuckGo or whoever you want to use. We're so lucky, but it's also uh, a little weakening, you know? Like, we have all these things at our fingertips, and we still want more convenience. We still want it spoon fed to us and that's kind of the that's a problem with recycling that's a problem with sustainability yeah let's let, let's talk about let's talk about plastic recycling while we're at it because yeah. and you're right it's like all this convenience that we're paying for so you know as a group as an organization and and i use that term loosely because it's like the two of us with uh, occasionally jess and jimmy or whoever else helping right. us um, Brandy, whoever's, squad whoever's helping us do stuff, but you know, a lot Evan. of times it's going to Evan. Yeah. It's, it's really just a handful of people. We are not a big organization, right? <laughs> we got our crew. So, we got our crew. Yeah. And we have a crew. That's we true. We love everybody that comes in and out and we're still, we're still doing it. We're still growing it. That's right. So, you know, as, as our organization, we started off, uh, making recycling composting videos, right? And we, that, that ended up being a changing target. We had, uh, you know, once, once Nashville stopped accepting, uh, certain types of plastic in the, uh, in the curbside and at the, the clamshells and the to-go Yeah, containers. the clamshell. Yeah. It just kind of brought everything to a screeching halt that we were talking about. Blew our minds. It did, it, and and it made it it made all the stuff that we were doing feel like oh it's all up in the air now. How do we how do we make the right decisions? But what's funny um, is that was actually a step in the in the direction that the rest of the country was probably already in, as we learned through some of those videos you sent me. That in recycling, just because you think you can recycle it and throw it in the bin, doesn't mean it's actually being recycled, which is right. mind blowing. <laughs> And, and what what kind of has come out in talking to people, which which you know we have to weigh what is or isn't true, or what the sources are, is that uh, Nashville may have never recycled uh, mm -hmm. those clamshells. They just now mm -hmm. clarified it. You know, they the the whole philosophy behind some of that is 
if we change it and then we're able, if we say no, but then later we're able to do it, people are out of the habit and we, we want them to just do it anyway. And that's their thinking. And all the rest of us are like, why are we wasting our time, mm-hmm. you know, sorting, washing and putting things in that are going to go in the landfill? That, yeah, that's where people so get mad. People try to talk to me, talk me out of recycling. They're like, well, Maris, why should I recycle? It's not being recycled anyway. And I'm like, how do you know that? I don't. I just, I hear rumors that, especially with the Chinese ban, with the National Sword, a lot of people took that as, and they were a little smarter than me at that time because I didn't really know what any of that was. I thought recycling is good. Recycling is what we need to do. And anyone who doesn't, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, but they were right. really thinking about it a little deeper than I, than I even knew. I didn't know a lot of those things. I don't know if it was deeper. And I think sometimes people use like one little bit of information to justify, oh, you know, I was right. I didn't need to recycle. Mm, you know, here, yeah. China's not taking it, so I'm not going to bother. So you I'm know? just I think not going to do it. Do that. Right. I think it justified people that didn't want to recycle in the first place. Mm. That gave them a big justification. And none of us trust for various reasons what we're told about how things are recycled and where they go. Like the world didn't, I don't think the average person realized that most of our stuff was being shipped over to China and poor people are sorting it like slave labor to eke a little bit of recycling out the 2% that was actually recyclable. Right. Um, And those third world countries that are actually taking it legally and hiding it and, and getting money for it, being paid for it but having nowhere for it to go and then dumping it in their smaller communities and burning it. And yeah, that, isn't that, I mean, that's crazy, huh? Like, like that, the story of plastic, that's what, you know, the story of plastic on Amazon, yeah. which Michael and I both watched really opened my eyes. I've already had some friends watch it and I've been sending it to everybody and I highly recommend it. It's a little over an hour and they just really open your eyes. The different various talkers, narrators from Indonesia, the Philippines, India, we as Americans think we've got it all figured out. And how, you know, I hear, oh, the trash is all coming from these third world countries. We're not even doing it, blah, blah, blah. And then these, these documentaries show us where the trash is really coming from. It's ours. (laughs) Like, so it's our trash. Wasn't that shocking in in the in the story of plastic when they? I mean, there are a lot of shocking things in that, and I think everybody has to watch it. But Everybody's one of the things it. that I didn't know, I'd heard people use that term sachet before. I'm like, oh, it's something they do in you know Asian or African countries. I I, I didn't really get what a sachet was. And what is that, a sachet? Uh, Did I miss that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't what know, but okay, wait. Yeah, you didn't miss it. You probably just didn't catch the name sachet in there. Oh. So basically, it's the equivalent. So because these poor markets, uh, Africa and and you know some of these Asian countries that are emerging markets, the the big companies, Unilever. You know, all of these companies are making their products that we use in the West, that mm-hmm. they put in shampoo bottles and, and things like that here. They're making them in single-use, single-serving, the equivalent of making every bath and beauty and cleaning product in a, in a, the equivalent of a ketchup packet that you get at a fast food yes. uh, a restaurant. 
So, and they, that the documentary pointed out they're charging like one and a half cents for a squirt of shampoo or a squirt mm-hmm. of soap. But the plastic that they're dumping on these poor countries, they're saying, okay, you can afford to be like we are in the West. Here's a product that only costs you, you know, one and a half cents. And each day, each of those people are using, what, 30, 40 products like that was food products too. Everything in these sachets, it's single use, single packets. Mm-hmm. Not just not just single use plastic, but single use single serving plastics. That's right. crazy. And I think to myself, anytime I go out somewhere, and this is what we're kind of talking about. Think of a ketchup packet. Think of a dressing that comes in a little packet. These millions of packets that we may or may not use, they have to go somewhere, and they're just not necessary at all. They're we not don't necessary. need them. They're not necessary, and they're made uh, to not be recycled. And then the these big companies. So this is the other thing that was very clear in that documentary. These these companies, and you say we say petrochemicals. You know, it's like petrochemicals. Like yeah, petroleum, plastic, petrochemicals. Well, basically, that's the fossil fuel companies. They're the ones making plastic. Mm-hmm. So they're taking the fuel subsidies that we pay as taxpayers to make sure that we have enough fuel in our country that's affordable and that can move ourselves around the country and move our economy. Mm-hmm. So we all pay subsidies to fossil fuel companies and just to make sure that we have fuel available. Well, they've taken these subsidies and they're using it to expand their plastics uh, production and distribution. That's that's not what that's intended for. We're paying mm. fuel subsidies for fuel Right. Not for expanding plastics. Right. And, and that documentary said worldwide that our Western petrochemical companies get five, over $5 trillion in subsidies. And they're just sinking that money into creating more and more plastic and looking for more and more markets. Wow. And then blaming us and cities and governments that it's not recyclable. Or, oh, you guys should be doing better at recycling. It's like, it's okay. Not, you're, it's poor managed recycling. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what they're saying. They're blaming us. And, and well, wait a minute. You're creating these products that can't be, they virtually can't be recycled. Mm-hmm. And it was clear. They showed those people in India separating 83 different kinds of plastic in those piles. Well, that, does, that tells you right there our one through seven number is bullshit. Like yeah, that, one through that seven, but there's 83. System, that was yeah. bl- mind blowing where yeah. the journalist from the frontline video that we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and where did I you find that, that one? one yet. Oh, I, 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 I saw, that was on my to watch list before we talk and I didn't make it. So. That's okay. Um, that it, journalist. It was, I, I blame, I blame the, I, <laughs> I, I blame my pineapple vodka drinks last night with, you know with, what? Uh, it's yeah. okay because you sent it to me and I've been on one. All right, was, great. Yeah, I've been actually watching it over and over again because there's so many statistics and facts that are really interesting. Like the statistic okay, that only 10% of recycling <laughs> is actually recycled. And this journalist looks into every single aspect in the States and overseas, and she goes deep into the jungle with this thing. And... It's amazing how this recycling, you know, we think recycling is the answer. That's what we've been fed by the same companies that have started this entire thing. And what she's uncovered is we're repeating history. This has already been a problem. This has already been something Americans are very concerned about. And they have deviated our thoughts from reduce, reuse to recycling, which is a broken system, which is 
why people have lost faith in recycling in general and don't want to do it or bother with it. Because people like you and I, we think, okay, well, at least we're doing something like maybe 1% of our our recycling will be recycled, (laughs) but we're doing it because we do care and we want to know what the next right thing is to do. And crazy enough, the next right thing to do is to avoid certain products that we can't recycle. And that's really hard for the consumer when we don't have many options. Everything's covered in plastic and everything that we need to function, we don't grow our own food. We have to go to the grocery store. Then you're looking at all these different grocery stores. Some stores are more expensive, but they give you it in bulk. For example, the turnip truck, which we love, will go there. You're spending more money to get things that aren't covered in plastic. They still do come in plastic, but they're in bulk. And then look what happens with the pandemic and COVID. Then like we have fewer choices and more things are wrapped in plastic because people Mm -hmm. are worried about food safety. And right. so I've, I've found myself buying, you know, I have a hard and fast rule. I'm not going to buy tomatoes in plastic, unrecyclable plastic, hard, you know, clamshells or grapes in those things or, or you know, fruit. It in, really limits you. Bag. It really it limits does. you. You have to have yeah. resources. And I know that you're a big fan of, is it White Squirrel Farms? Yeah, White Squirrel Farms is where I get my CSA. And that's what CSA vegetables that's right. And you know, you just buy straight from the farmers. That's yeah, we're that's lucky here in Tennessee. We can, mm-hmm. and I feel lucky as uh, as someone that has that can afford to buy straight from a farmer because you're really paying the true cost of the vegetables. And what you're paying at the grocery store is not the true cost. When you're buying tomatoes, and they're a dollar ten a pound or a dollar nineteen a pound or whatever, those were grown on giant factory farms with slave labor picking them. And we all just look the other way. And they're also, by the way, grown for shipping and long lasting, you know, mm. so they last for shipping, not for flavor. So every the sacrifice is like, we're all sacrificing our land to grow this stuff. The good farm jobs are being sacrificed. People are being exploited. The environment's being ruined with pesticides. And everyone goes, eh, it's okay. It's we're all just right. getting we deeper and know. deeper. That's the thing is we're all blinded by these things. We're, we're blinded by convenience. We're blinded by the marketing and advertising that these companies are putting out so that we think we're doing something good. And there are things that are good going on. There are. But it's still blindsiding us to the things we really need to be paying attention to, which is mass consumption. We're, we're just... We're a country that is already so far deep into that thinking, into that way of life, that reversing it is the hardest concept for anyone that I've talked to about this. It's not a 180 that we're going to do today or tomorrow. They're baby steps towards the ultimate goal, but the awareness and the thinking is what is going to get us there and talking about it. I think some of this, what the pandemic, what the pandemic has shown us, is that this, this, the system is really broken, and from our food distribution to where we get our medical supplies and masks, mm-hmm. and to who controls what and where the money goes. I mean, you and I talked about, you know, I had explained what I'd read about, uh, you know, buybacks. You know, why, why all these these big companies are getting buyback, you know, had been doing buybacks, and then yet they're standing in line for government handouts. Mm -hmm. And it turns out a buyback uh, is where they buy their own shares, and then they make them magically disappear so that there are fewer shares, and it makes all the rest of the remaining shares 
worth more. Mm. So the people that, that profit the most are who own the most shares, which is like the boards, the board of directors, the main people involved, and, and the big hedge funds and people that are investing in those. Well, they use their profits to do that instead of paying their employees better, instead of fixing their envir environmental problems, mm. uh, instead of uh, saving for a rainy day or some unknown thing like a pandemic. So the airlines put, some of them put 94% of their profits back into buybacks that just went in their own pockets. And then they're saying, oh, we're going broke. We, we need the government to bail us out. Well, you know, in, in 2008, Everybody lost their job and lost their houses. The banks got bailed out and the people didn't. Mm. And it took a long time to come back from that. And like we're looking at the same kind of let's protect the stock market and the really wealthy at the expense of the environment and poor people. It always and goes back to that, doesn't it? It's the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Yeah. And then there's the middleman who works his ass off or she works her butt off to do what, the right thing. And we we don't know about these buybacks. We don't know about... I don't, I, I, this is the first time I've really become involved in any of these types of conversations. And I've always been too scared to speak up because I felt ignorant. I felt I didn't have a place at that table because I don't know crap about it. And now I, now I don't care. I'll say the most ignorant things because I want to learn and I want to know, and I'll stick my head into anything because that's the only way that I'm going to learn. And that's the only way that I'm not going to be ignorant and, and share this information with other people that are in my same position. Yeah. But, well, in, in life, we don't go around. We can't be experts on everything. Like you right. know, how we're not all financial experts, uh, experts and and experts on, you know, plastics. And I, I mean, I had I actually had no idea. As as deep as I go into all this, I had no idea. I hadn't really put it together that it's exactly the fossil fuel companies that are the plastic companies. This isn't people working in tandem. It's the same people. And it's a business. To, and it's a business. And, and they business. run everything. And they do and, run everything. Plastic is everywhere. Some other. So the so getting back to recycling, though, what can we do if the system is broken? If the rich keep getting richer and keep putting more money into the things that are making us sink in trash, literally choke in trash. Choke like in trash. Side Fish note: turtles, our food, us, everything. We don't see it. We don't see it unless you live somewhere like the people in the Philippines in Manila. They have trash coming into the bay that never leaves because it gets stuck there. And no matter what they do, they can't get rid of it. It's in their faces day after day after day. And, and there was a quote from one of them that said, there's no amount of cleanups that we're going to be able to do to save us. This has yeah. to be at the root of the cause, which is legislation, which is having people in the right seats making those choices for us and voting for them and making sure that we have those people to vote for. At this point, I feel pretty helpless. <laughs> and that's something that I struggled with from the very beginning when I met you. I thought, well, okay, I, we're all doomed. What's the point? I don't want to do this. I don't care. And then I was like, ah, oh, no, that's not the way we're going to fix anything. Come on, Maris. And that's when we started to research. And when I met you, you've introduced me to a whole bunch of different ideas and now here we are and we're talking about the solutions we're talking about the system that most people don't understand and don't even know how to start recycling because it's so confusing and that's because the companies making all these plastics and things they're not regulating it they're not making it consistent they're not using materials that are that are easily 
recycled. They're making it confusing. They're having a struggle with this. So, so there's two things there. That that's the answer is that it, it takes legislation. Like right now, oil is a negative per uh, a negative cost per barrel. You and I were talking about that also. That almost blows your mind. Like how yeah, can explain you explain that a little bit? We, how does that even how, happen? How can they pay? Well, because oil keeps gushing and the production has kept rolling and they're filling the super tankers that are out to sea. There's some, I forgot there's a map the other day that showed how many oil super tankers are setting out to sea with nowhere to unload their oil. So all these barrels and, oh and tankers full of oil are kept being produced, but we suddenly came to a screeching halt of how much oil we're using and it has to go somewhere. So they're paying people to take it. So right now, wow. there's no way the people making plastics are going to be tapping into the recycle market where they have to pay a fee to get the recycled material to make new plastics when they're being paid to use oil. So I'd like to talk to, and we need to, you know, we originally talked to KW Plastics. Uh, we have that video up on our website. Stephanie, yeah. Yeah, Stephanie. And uh, I'd like to check in with her and see where they're at with that because how, you know, if... if if we don't, you know, first of all, she told us there's really most cities and places, there's only really the one and two is the, the types of plastic that get recycled. Right. And, and they do number five at KW, KW Plastics, which is the yogurt tubs and things right. like that. And, um, side, and, you note, know, uh-huh. side note, the codes I learned in either one of those videos, I think it was the one that you haven't watched yet from Frontline. Just because the chasing arrows sign symbol, the triangle is on something, does not mean that it's recyclable, which is mind-blowing. It was only for the companies to say what kind of plastic it is and help people understand that which we don't need to know that we need what we need to know is what goes where and that was completely misleading and confusing and people thought oh well this little triangle means it's recyclable and I actually was very confused by that I was like you're right why is that it's not true it's just it's a coding system to say what kind of plastic it is and that's it that's all it's a coding system that's self-regulated by their own industry that there's no government oversight and as we were talking about earlier you know, they they have their numbers one through seven, yet we watch in that video where they're sorting 83 different kinds of plastics in, in India. So wh- what's the deal one through seven when there's 83? And, we need and all some these... laws, man. We need some we, laws. We, we have, so, and, and this is where I'm getting at. Is you have to make the companies. You have to say you can't just keep dumping this stuff onto our society and, and not giving us a right. choice. Like, like when you and I choose to not buy plastic bottles of shampoo, we have the option and we have the funds and we go down to Megan at the Goodfill and right. we luckily have a store and we can do that. Everybody out there doesn't have that opportunity or that store. Those are very, that's a very small percentage. Right. Um, and so you have to give the consumers a choice and by giving us a choice, they have to be forced to make it. So, so Germany's done this, by the way. Let's see, I, I wrote something out here. Go I, Germany. I to talk about the, Germany did it in 1991. Right. Wow. So here's what they did. The German packaging ordinance. It's a 1991. It required manufacturers to take responsibility for the recycling of their product packaging after a consumer was finished using it. This included the transportation packaging, like the box around soda cans, the primary packaging, the can itself, everything. Okay. So that started for them in 1991. And then in 1996, they added that... Anyone that produces, markets, or consumes goods 
and dictates uh, it dictates that they're responsible for the materials reuse, recycling, or environmentally sound disposal. So they, if you make something or sell something in Germany, and, and a lot of these American companies do, they have to abide by those laws. They make packaging yeah. that is it's less complex, less layered, easier to recycle. Mm -hmm. They're forced to take it back. And, and the rates of recycling in Germany are over 70%. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It, it works there. For Germany. I'm thinking, so I had a conversation with my friend Blake this morning about packaging for protein products. Mm -hmm. I love to work out. I have a, I have, I have some supplements and over time I've had less and less because I know that the packaging is not recyclable. So it's very hard for me to buy things that I know aren't recyclable. And we were having that conversation this morning and I said, why don't you talk to your brand and see if they can have some kind of program? It would be cutting edge. If you don't know where it's going, if you don't know, if you know that you can't take it back, don't make it. And I right. know that's really tough for the market, but as consumers, we, if we want the product, we have to figure out what to do with it. And if we don't know what to do with it, then it's just going straight into the landfill. It's the same yeah, there's thing. There's nothing to do with it. Do with it. Companies need to have that responsibility to figure out and, what they're doing before the process, after the process. Yeah. Like, like, like Megan said last time, you know, that a good portion of, the environmental impact is from a product is in its design and and uh, manufacturing stage. So they need to figure all that out on their end. Right. And and we need to get this. It it, it just it's so shocking. It makes so much sense to us all, except for the people that are running things and don't want. It. They say, oh, we can't afford it. Yet then they turn around and do buybacks, and they're enriching themselves to be the richest people in our societies. And that's and not everyone. That's not everyone. But it's a good it's a good portion of the companies, especially the ones that are most popular and making the most money. So yeah, it's crazy. And and you're talking about how we don't see it. You know who does see it? And I think we need to do this uh, at a. I'll who? commit to us doing this at a future podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Is you know, I was wondering, what do, what do like with the people that live near the landfill here? How do they feel? Can you imagine? That's oh, they're yeah. taking from from Davidson County. They're taking from three big counties. That's got to be trash trucks lined up and down their roads, going by their bucolic farms every day. Good point. I was thinking about that there. during the documentaries too. It's for those families that live next to these plants and they live next to the garbage. They're suffering. Yeah. They have nowhere to go. They they're dying of respiratory diseases and you know cancers. They can't that drink their water. They can't drink their water. They have to all bottled water, which is only contributing to the problem, and they have no control. They just have to yeah. sit there and basically take it and die because of and, and, the and, pollution. And because of, yeah, it's crazy. And because of that, here in Tennessee, they, they enacted a law because people were complaining that the community has to approve a dump site, a new dump site. So, okay. you know, Nashville's dump is filling up and they're saying, you know, probably what, four years, five years from now, it'll be, it'll be done. So that really, what that means Rutherford is the next County, dump, right? Rutherford uh, County. That's where the one is right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when that fills up, so there, the next one is going to probably be in Kentucky because Tennesseans can say, we don't want to dump here. Wow. So we're basically going to say, Hey, Hey, thanks, Kentucky. Here's our here's our crap. It's the same and thing. Start, it's the same thing yeah. as the entire process. We gave it to China, like all yeah. the other, you know, people that were giving it to China. We just we get rid of it. 
and in one of the documentaries, I believe it is the the front line, they go to Indonesia, and this journalist goes to Indonesia, and what they're doing is they're looking to see where this trash is going. Uh, there was talk about them having even more of a problem with contaminated plastic waste as much as narcotics were being smuggled into their country. It was that big of a deal. And yep. what they're doing is they're taking the trash, they're getting money for it, they have nowhere for it to go, and then they're just putting it into the communities with these innocent people, same thing, people that have no control, and they're just trashing it there. So these people yep. are waking up the next morning and like, there's tons and tons of trash, can, trash in their front yards. <laughs> and they're like, no idea where it came from. And they, they have no muscle. idea what to do with it. Yeah. And they get terrorized if they try to fight it. And and frankly, you know, we saw that in that documentary. But I, I have lived near refinery, actually, uh, in, uh, as, a, as a kid. And, and I had severe asthma probably as a result of it. Yeah. But uh, I remember specifically our dog got shot because he was playing in the yard of one of, uh, of an employee for the petrochemical plant and there's some sort of dispute and thugs came over and they thought they're shooting his dog. You told me that I, story. I, but but mm. wasn't that fascinating though, when you were watching the story of plastic and that's one of the techniques, that woman that was speaking out, they mm -hmm. shot her dog. Yeah. So they've been doing this, this intimidation for a long time here. It's not just the, it's not just those communities far away. It's if you live here in America, you could be being strong armed and they're saying, we're going to dump our stuff on you. We're going to pollute your air and water and you just have to shut up or we're going to, kill you we're gonna hurt you. you we're gonna hurt yeah, you gonna or hurt people you. that you love and that yeah. is real shit yeah. <laughs> it's not in the movies folks that's where they get the ideas for these movies that's it's right. real life it really happens we, we need to all be john wick right <laughs> i haven't seen any john <laughs> wick stuff it? no okay first of all they're awesome <laughs> movies they're very fun is that nicholas uh, cage no 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 that's uh that's keanu reeves but oh, uh, basically what starts is he's keanu. this hitman He's a hitman that has out of the business, fell in love, has a puppy uh, that his wife gave him right before she died of cancer or whatever. And oh, these God, thugs kill his crying. dog. That starts this. The dog killing oh, starts his, his free where he's just killing the whole world that messed with oh, his dog. Oh, yeah, that's John yeah. Wick. Yeah. Right. Actually, they have, he has a, I saw a post the other day of him holding a shirt up because, you know, I do the animal rescue stuff, too. And it showed up on one of the animal rescue feeds. <laughs> and, and it said, uh, it said, don't mess with dogs or I'll shoot you. And it was it was his, him and John Wick. And I'm like, I love that. We just all need to be John Wick. I love that too. Yeah. We do. He's an inspiration. Now I'm going to go and watch all the John Wicks now. Yeah, it's good. We just uh, need to focus his energy on on fighting plastics and petrochemical companies. Yeah, maybe that will be like one of our hashtags. Don't don't mess with recycling and we'll shoot you. Well, but and and so is recycling microphones. Exactly. It will shoot our mouth off. It's already going. It's already it. the war has started. Uh, so here's what I keep coming back to. Is it even worth it? So so here's my thought process right now is that a lot of organic waste is dumped in the dumps. It's anywhere from twenty one percent to forty percent of the organic landfill. Organic waste meaning like, food, like food scraps. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, even even the pizza boxes that have been contaminated, contaminated food, that have grease oiled, on them. Yeah, all that kind of stuff that can be composted but not recycled. There's a so I think that number is somewhere for Nashville, 40. somewhere around forty percent. Mm. Um, and 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 if recycling is broken and no one's buying the feedstock that's made from the few things that they actually collect, mm -hmm. and and the whole city is shoving everything in their recycling containers that has nothing to do with what's sellable or recyclable because mm -hmm. they don't know and they've been confused. Right. 
what if you know we're hitting all these budget cuts like they what if we just stop doing recycling right now because it's broken mm-hmm. and i know i know it's a it's a like oh no we can't not do recycling but what if we stopped doing recycling and just started doing curbside compost, compost. pickup what if we put all the resources and money into that because it works it's we have the system here in nashville and right. that's the one thing most people don't know a whole lot about. I remember every time I mention it, it's like, oh, no, what is that? That's too much for me. I can't do that. And like, it's really not, though. It's pretty simple. Oh. You take all the yeah. stuff that came from the earth and you put it together and you put it back into the earth. And there are places like Compost Nashville that pick up your compost outside your residence or compost company. And that giant yeah. facility on Nashville City, we've got the resources, folks. We can compost and we can compost well. Yeah, and it's not a big deal. You and I both, we like. I keep my compost in my freezer, and I take it out once a week and take it to the convenience center. Ours is on Trinity Lane, and we t- put it in the compost. They just gave us a bigger dumpster because every time yeah. I went over there, all four all four trash cans were full, and I would I would send I would take a video and tag them on my Instagram and say, "Hey guys, when you come in to pick up, they're really great at you know, they're one company right now." That's their right. that's their main that's our main resource for compost. We have Compost Nashville and Compost Company, but they're doing a great job. We we need to increase education. That's the one thing. Turnip Green Creative Reuse works with Metro and they do some classes. But again, we we've learned as community members that it's not necessarily that they're that it's not enough, but the reach. We got to reach more people with this type of thing and of all ages. They had a class that was really for anyone from, you know, you could be a child or you could be our age, your age, you know, 100, just kidding, <laughs> and go into this class. And it's it's decent, gives you a little to start with. But if you're an adult and you're really interested, there are other resources. Tennessee Environmental Council have some composting. We even posted a video on our website. But your idea is going into compost maybe that's a solution to the broken recycling system which i hear you and i don't know if it would be beneficial to take out all recycling maybe what we have right now but we would need to tell people that you can't recycle everything that's what we don't know And 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 here's the deal it's like it's the same thing as happened when you know how mad everyone was and how up in arms everyone was that what do you mean we can't recycle our uh, our takeout container the plastic clamshells or anything anymore and yeah. uh, you know that was I was actually heard, a thing I think I forever yeah I heard I heard a response from from people that I know and that know better saying oh I'm going to do it anyway I'm going to put it in anyway and, and it's it's really so this is what would happen if we said okay we're taking away recycling because it's broken everyone would be so up in arms they'd be like no we want more recycling but it doesn't work it only doesn't 2% work. is being recycled only only about 2% is being recycled we have in been brainwashed practice. people we have yeah. been brainwashed to think that recycling is the answer it's not and unfortunately Michael and I are both very big supporters of recycling because it's something we can do at this mm-hmm. point but it's not the answer we've learned way too much over this last year and myself I I'd never compost before this last year and here I am talking on a podcast with you about all sorts of way more intricate ideas than I would have ever thought and it's not as long as people are interested and open to the ideas recycling is not the end-all be-all and we have to find a different way so here we are yeah 
And and if you say you can't recycle that, okay, then everyone's going to be mad. But also it's going to make everyone, as you buy something at the store and you're, you know Frustrated. now. Frustrated. It's not going to. Frustrated. It's like, it's why crap. should I be buying this? Because I can't recycle it because we don't do any recycling. Right. And it makes you think, well, we can't do the recycling because it wasn't working. So it was all fake anyway. And, and it's not fake. You know, KW, people like KW Plastics are doing great. But. Yes. That that two percent number, that two percent. Let's go back to that. You were saying that the documentary said ten percent of the plastics get 10%. only only two percent of plastic of all the plastics ever made have been made back into something useful, like a bottle made into a bottle. Mm-hmm. Everything else is downcycled, and it's made into less useful items. And even even in the best case scenario, you take a bottle, you make a bottle. That's it. It's done being recycled. The next one goes in the trash. It mm-hmm. can't plastic can't be recycled over and over and over again. There is no so, way. Yeah, there is no way. There's and there's no so you're, you if at the best case scenario you have two percent being made back into useful items, and then that two percent then just goes back into the landfill later. Um, there's and something we're not wrong. Saying with that, we're not saying that to discourage anyone because we want you to know the truth, which was something that we're finding out. And yeah, it hurts. It stings. It's kind of like okay, well, screw it. I don't. What am, what are we supposed to do? This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to talk about it. We're supposed to talk about it with more and more people. And sooner or later, the legislation is going to also be on our side because we're not going to let down and we're going to push for this. It's going to, it's got to start with the companies that are creating this stuff, but how do we get heard? Talk about it. Continue to ask questions, continue to ask store managers and restaurant owners and people that might not be the enemy. They're not the enemy because we all are in this together. But if we are able to open our mouths and even set the example, I have a very dear friend of mine, they just watched the movie with me the other day and he went to a, a restaurant recently, finally, and and was served multiple drinks with straws in them. And he, he finally was like, sir, do you have to give everyone a straw? Is that policy? And he's like, well, no, but I just figured and it's just a habit. And he opened his mouth. He said something. And that server said, you know what? I've heard about compostable stuff. I'm going to talk to my manager about it. It just takes one person to say something. And don't, don't feel like you have to come down on anybody. Ask the question. Say, I don't, I don't really know about this, but is this something that you can change or have any kind of say in? Maybe it's just one drop in the bucket. That's all we can do right now. But people like Michael and I are willing to go out and fight for this type of thing. And that's why we're doing these podcasts is to give you some knowledge that you didn't have before and to get you thinking about where can you change something in your everyday life? Where can you just tweak something and make make that change go a little bit farther? Tell somebody about it or talk about it. Um, recycling is a broken system. We know that. We know our landfills filling up. We know that composting is here and we can use it. And if you want to know more about it, you can easily get on Google. You can easily go to our website and type in zerowastetrashtalk.com. And there are videos there that myself and Jess walked through. That was the first time we made any videos. It's so amazing. And I barely knew anything. I didn't know what dry compost or wet compost was. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. But we go through it and we'll continue to go through it. But um, I highly recommend to watch the story of plastic on Amazon if you can spare three bucks. And, and let us know if, if you if if our listeners, if you guys want, you know, all three of you. No, just kidding. We're actually we have some listeners. Uh, if if uh, 
if if you guys if if the group and our Nashville zero waste group and our zero waste trash talk followers we can get codes to host a screening uh, that's free of the story of plastic online and they ask that if you do it as a group then you host like a zoom meetup event and Ooh, talk yeah. about it and discuss it afterwards so why don't you you hit us up on our socials you can hit us either at zero waste Nashville uh, face, Facebook group uh, or on Zero Waste Trash Talk or just DM us in, on Instagram, Zero Waste Trash Talk. You, you, I'm even paying attention to Twitter now, so you can... You can uh, he is. You can, He's making moves yeah, on yeah. Twitter. I am. I'm trying to like be better about all of that, even though I've never liked it very much. But uh, hey, we're on it. We're paying attention now. You can yeah. reach us on Twitter at uh, ZW Trash Talk. That's the yeah. only one that's different because Twitter has a limit on numbers. And I know we're going to go through this probably with, with John. We do have a guest, John Hawkins, coming on the show to talk about his experience with recycling. So he was a recycling business owner. He is no longer, but he was. No, and I met John uh, through Zero Waste Nashville. I was actually um, one of my neighbors who's a contractor, had d done a remodel job, and this household was, he saw they were getting rid of a, a giant stack of perfectly good dog beds. And he knew I did the zero waste stuff. So, you know, this is how this you is and I end up with guy. a bunch of stuff. Okay, I know about uh, yeah. him. So, mm -hmm. so you know, uh, my friend Adam brought over those uh, dog beds, and I put it out on Zero Waste Trash Talk, uh, or actually Zero Waste Nashville. Anybody wants one, let me know. And John came over to get one. And while he was here, we started talking about what he did, and, and he had just kind of felt a little dejected that he didn't think recycling was working and so we had this long conversation about you know how to how do we make it work how should we all move forward right. what's going on and and so that's why i said let's bring him on and talk about this he's somebody who's lived it from that that side of it the yeah. recycling side i'm really excited yeah. yeah so we'll bring him up next but i think if you're listening now the takeaways here would be first and foremost which <laughs> we didn't say you cannot bag your recyclables <laughs> You cannot put your recycling in a bag because the place that separates the otherwise known as MRF, MRF, the sorting material, center. Material recovery facility. Material recovery facility. Thank you, Michael. Mm -hmm. They don't have the resources, the time to take your stuff out of the bag and separate it. So if it's in the bag, it's considered contamination and it's going straight to the landfill. They're not even going to open it up. They're not even going to look in there and see what's in there. It, it cracks me up. People are like you bothered to, to crush cans and to collect this big giant garbage sack full of cans. And you get to the recycling center and it says no bags. And you're like, eh, I did my part. I'm going to throw the bag in anyway. It's like, what's the point? Why did you even bother crushing the cans and saving the cans if at the last stage I you ignore the rules? I unbagged some stuff the last time I was at the, at the center. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it disheartening. To, it's disheartening to, yeah, you're always diving in dumpsters i am getting in the dumpsters people <laughs> god uh, if that's probably what you'll find me <laughs> but let's let's make so uh, let's make a definite here's here's a takeaway you know it's like what can we do as individuals you know yes. we talked with megan last week about uh, being able to buy products that have mm -hmm. less you know plastic well we'll do that pick one product we assume if you're listening to this podcast you you already aren't drinking out of plastic water bottles right we just assume Hopefully. that if you are that's the very first thing to do stop just stop buying uh, it. just stop that just get a reusable water bottle and fill what do it you up think with about a nice i use a brita here because brittas you can't recycle that's another thing you have to look into is how to recycle the little part that actually filters everything the water there there's 
there's not a lot of really good ways to recycle uh, to filter water that that are practical and that can be recycled or disposed of properly. Unfortunately, that's just the way it works. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple, and maybe we'll cover some of that at some point in the future. Um, but you know, it, it's back to choose your bottles. Do you want like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of plastic bottles every year? Water which, by the way, are not the answer. Yeah. And I read a, a statistic the other day: the average family spends twelve hundred dollars a year on plastic water bottles. That's very. So that's a vacation. <sighs> that's a vacation. My mom, growing up, she would refill glass water bottles so we had like our brita and then we would refill glass water bottles and man i think she's had the same ones for probably over 15 years truly we had the same water bottles when i was in high school they're still there and that's again great step towards sustainability don't buy it if you don't need it take your reusable water bottle with you wherever you go maybe have two give some away as gifts start don't don't hoard them yeah, you don't need more than you, than you need. You know, I've got That's a few right. because I, I I need them wherever I go. I, I work out a lot and I bring them to the gym and I bring them in my car. And But it's funny because back in the day, I would love getting that Fiji water bottle or that like classy Ev- Evian water bottle and think, man, I look cool. I got this like name brand, name brand water bottle. And now I'm like, oh, I can't even look at it. Why? We don't need it. It's not, it's we don't need it. I'm going to tell you here, here's something, you know, about the practical side. Well, there's two, here's something to know about me. Uh, In high school, I was working at a grocery store at Safeway in the eighties and uh, it was a good job. And I saw uh, this introduction of selling water in in bottles. I said, you know, first uh, we started getting the two liter Pepsi and Coke bottles and plastic. And I'm like, I don't want to drink out plastic and it's flat quicker. And it, and I actually, I taste plastic. I have this, I can, if a, if a piece of cheese is, has been sold wrapped in saran wrap, I taste saran wrap on that cheese. Same with a sandwich. So I've never been big on plastic wrapping. It's like a superpower. It, well, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that it's, sucks. I, it's terrible <laughs> tasting. I can taste it. You buy, exp- I used to buy some expensive cheese. They wrap it in a saran wrap. I'm like, no, don't. Yeah, that's kind of how they always it. do it now. Yeah. But so I, uh, I, I never really was part of this. I had to use plastic water bottles because I, it just wasn't in the zeitgeist when I worked on movies for 10 years. I was a photographer on movie sets and we used a lot of water bottles and I, and, and you know, I look back and I think I could have been more aware but overall, I was appalled. I'm like, what? They're selling us water? It, it's, it costs like, like like what a soda does almost or whatever? Or it's like He's really we dating have water from the now, tap. Folks. It is, but when they, start selling, when they start selling water, it's like that's like selling snake oil. It's like, okay, we all get free water and you can filter it for very uh, inexpensively. Soon they're going to be selling us air. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you saw in that documentary story, plastic is like we don't those these poor countries don't need all these sachets. They're like taking away other options and flooding the market with that and, and convincing the people they need it. And and so so the takeaway so, here, I, I'd like let's just stop. Everybody pick one thing like like for us, both of us. And we, we, we hadn't until Megan introduced us. We didn't know about tooth tablets. Yeah. And we we're like trying to figure out how to recycle. And if buying the right toothpaste that's maybe in a tube that can be God, recycled, so if you many, totally yeah. clean it. Uh, and so we moved to the tooth tablets and there's no plastic and, and a sh- or a shampoo bar, you know, a shampoo bar. Shampoo bars, soap. shampoo conditioner. Yeah. 
bars. Yeah, bar soap. Move to a bar or a tooth tablet or something like that that's not wrapped in plastic. You can even buy stuff like that at, at Target now. You can buy shampoo bars. You can buy, you know, maybe wrapped you? in. Uh, and it's yeah. not wrapped in anything? No. And, and also think about when you're buying a shampoo bar, like Megan said, 90% of the bottle, this plastic bottle that's that's being sold and shipped to you is full of water. So if you take all the water out, it leaves you with a sh bar of soap or shampoo bar yeah. or something like that. It's more so concentrated. Same with the toothpaste. The tablets, you bite into them, and it takes a little bit to get used to. It's Definitely. not the same with toothpaste. It's Definitely. like a baking soda kind of thing. But, and but do, if you're used to overdoing it with your toothpaste, you'll realize how much toothpaste you are actually using. That's not necessary. But yeah, that, those a, commercials where they pile it on the American tooth, thing. you know, like it's like it just that makes a me want to gag. gag. Yeah, think Toothpaste of all that toothpaste gag. in my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, pick one thing. So there, that's it. Pick a pick thing. Pick one thing, mm -hmm. and that'll be our. That'll be, and, and then once you're good at that, pick another thing, and show somebody. Go. I bought my mom uh, some beeswax wraps from mm -hmm. Megan's good, the good Phil. And she loved them. I was I went to her school and I I showed all of her kids. She's a teacher and she let me have about ten minutes in her classes to let them know that there are things that exist like this and little things. Watching your water when you're brushing your teeth is another one. How much water do you use when you're brushing your teeth, taking a shower? Energy is important. Water is important. So there's a lot of different ways that you can cut down, but for the sake of recycling and plastic, let's try and go to the package-free stores like the Goodfill. Let's try and really make make an effort to research things that we're not sure about. I'm still researching stuff with Invisalign. I posted a thing today, and none of the trays that I've used are recyclable. It was heartbreaking when I found that out in the very beginning of my journey with them, and Every time I saw my dentist, I would say something to her about it. Did you talk to them yet? Did you talk to anybody yet? And as we were doing this podcast, I saw him on the corner of my computer. Invisalign has commented on your post. So I'm really excited to see what, what they said on my post because I called them out. And I Open said, it Why up. Would you... Let's see. Oh, okay. Let's yeah, do that. Go ahead. Let's check right. it out. Let's just do that real quick. The other thing is, as we move forward, while well, Maris is looking at that, as we move forward, we talk about all these these options and choices and the legislations we need to, to establish just to rebuild society like we want to after this pandemic. Don't The powers that be want us distracted and barely have our heads above water and we grab onto their plastic life rafts and things. Huh. It's like they, we don't have... Good one. They want us to be distracted, and they want they want us to to be. I mean, working low wage jobs and and struggling so that we think, oh, that's a luxury. Uh, the environment's a luxury. Recycling's a luxury. A luxury. Composting's a luxury. I, I can't do that. I'm barely surviving, and that that's where they want you. So don't accept that. As we move forward, and as yeah. as obviously the government's just printing literally trillions of dollars. Yeah. And giving it to their friends and letting us have. I, I read something the other day, by the way. This uh, the the $1,200 check that we all get. That's great. Um, so far, the economic stimulus packages cost every household $18,000 in future taxes, and you got $1,200 of that. Oh wow! So we just paid 18. We we're all like, hey, we got a stimulus check. You got. You got an $18,000 tax bill that went to fossil fuel companies and, 
It went to airlines that have sunk their profits into making themselves more money instead of making their companies stronger. That whole fiscal responsibility, they're responsible to to keep their company strong. And, and the, you know, hospitals not having uh, enough protective gear, all of this stuff yeah. is like, oh, that's too expensive. Hospitals are for profit. We, let's rebuild this world like we want and let's not let them distract us. Hell yeah to that. Cheers to that. And I've got I've that. got the response. I said, Invisalign, why are you creating a plastic tray that cannot be recycled? And I talked about how excited I was to, to start and then sadly disappointed to know that none of my 40 trays, I had to change them every week, were recyclable. And not only that, it came in boxes. It came in individually wrapped bags that came into boxes that came in more bags. And when I just when I got all this stuff, I was like, why in the world? Is all this coming to me? It's all trash. All of it. Side note, when you're out and you don't need the bag, tell them you don't need the bag. Give it back. Whatever it is that is extra in there, the packaging, just give it back. You know, let them know. I don't need this. You can use this for the next person or maybe everyone starts returning them and then they don't need to buy them anymore and it saves the company a lot of money. Whatever. Side note. A lot of Maris side notes today. Invisalign says to me, hi Maris, we appreciate your feedback on this important topic. The plastic used in Invisalign aligners is medical grade plastic and once the aligners have been worn by patients, they are considered medical waste. Cannot be recycled like household plastic. We are piloting a recycling program to retrieve used aligners from our doctor, customers, and their patients. The aligners we get back are incinerated and used to produce energy. However, this option is not yet available through all offices please connect with your doctor or other waste management department for recommendations regarding your current disposal options for this item in your area it's up to you just like the fossil fuel company it's like it's it's plastics re the recycling our product is up to you that's but that's what that just said Ugh, talk to and, your dentist deal with it yourself yeah, you know what and, you know what i would do maris i would box all you saved all that i, I just did. box I all up them. put a put a sticker on it and mail it back to them Say, here you go. Here's your trash. I don't want it. It's not recyclable. I blame you for not, you know, yeah. I, I think if we all start <laughs> dumping their trash back on them, then, yeah, if I were you, I'd mail it back to them. So, well, you know. uh, I think I might just do that, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, because that's the only thing that I can do at this point. I, I'm going to talk to my doctor about it. She was under the impression that they're made out of so many different plastics that they couldn't recycle them. And even when they're incinerated, to produce energy wasn't that is that oh yeah that's a crock it's your oh it, well it's not a crock it were it's a way to get rid of plastic and it burns great but it also adds all of those contaminants to the air it's toxic yeah, how is that producing it's energy not, it does mm -hmm. well okay wait well, like energy the energy production we should have a whole uh, conversation about that but ultimately all oh, ways to make energy is just heating stuff up to boil water to spin fans that's what makes electricity turbines. Mm. That's all it is. Like if, if it's like if you put a, a spinner on the top of a teapot that had copper coils around it, as it spins, it generates electricity. Nuclear, these giant nuclear plants, all they're doing is using nuclear power to boil water. That's it. Wow. Smokestacks, when they're burning plastic, they're taking the heat of that. They're boiling water. They're heat. spinning turbines. Yep. They're creating heat. heat to boil water to spin turbines. So, uh, yeah, we but, don't want to you know, burn plastic. That's never good. No. That's never and, good. And, and, and when they say, oh, this is a medical, you know, and, and it's like they choose what, yeah, okay, you know, maybe there's 
laws against medical waste, and I'm sure there is, even though there are plenty of stupid people throwing their gloves and masks. I see medical waste. I saw it all over the park today by the duck pond. It's like people just, who's taking their masks and their gloves off and just throwing them on the ground for someone else to deal with their their really? COVID? Pop. Yeah. Haven't you seen that? Ah. Like if you go to the grocery store parking lots, everyone just goes to their car, takes their stuff off, throws it on the ground you and gets in their car. You know what too is the trash. I'm still picking it up, but I... I did have that fleeting idea or that thought that was like, don't pick that up. There's coronavirus on it. Oh, I can't. Don't I pick stopped. That up. But see, Maris, I stopped. See, I, I still, can't pick up I trash. Still pick up trash. No, no. Early on in this, I bent down and picked up a can. Uh, someone threw the can, their drink can, on the side of the greenway, and I. It was right. It was probably like you know, second week of March. This is all just kind of all suddenly become real to all of us, and I bent down absentmindedly. Reached, picked it up, and my finger went into the mouth hole. And yeah. as I did that, I thought, oh, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and and so I made a rule, and it's really hard. I have stopped picking up trash when I see it. The other day, I saw I broke that rule because I saw someone 10 feet from the garbage can. They left their dog poop bag tied and laying there's 10 feet away dude that's I, another I, topic I, we gotta go we gotta talk yeah. about the dog poop another day but oh i got some ideas on that so yeah sweet but but so i i picked this up to to get rid of it and i tell cheryl okay i'm touching this one even though i shouldn't and uh mm-hmm. remind me i'll get to the car and i'll use hand sanitizer cheryl's and you know it'll Michael's be okay. wife. And, yeah cheryl's my <laughs> wife and uh we we got back to the car i forgot and then we came back in the house and i'm like Oh man, the, now the doorknobs potentially contaminated. The keys, my wallet, my oh, phone that I touched, is everything. Ruined. I gotta start cleaning everything because I picked up a piece of trash, and it breaks my heart uh, to leave trash laying on the ground. I know. Like who who's thro- who throws trash on the ground? You like who just says this is so unimportant <laughs> that I I don't I'm just gonna throw it on the ground. I mean I don't that mentality I I just don't understand. Oh yeah, it's pretty bad where I live too. There's a, a complex, a apartment complex in the east side where I live. And when I first moved here, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be out here picking up trash every single day to the point of I fell in a pricker bush. Uh, there's a whole <laughs> sling of really amazing stories of me picking up trash and hurting myself. Um, and we my need mom, photos. Yeah. I, God. <laughs> Just long story short, I tried to pick trash out of a, a, a very sharp edged bush with a lot of very sharp leaves and I fell into the bush and covered myself in blood it was great it was great I looked around I was like good no one saw me do that didn't stop me from picking up trash but for a while I I had some scars and scrapes on me and they're like what happened to you like just don't worry about it I'm dedicated those are battle wounds you're battle wounds that's what those are we're driven we're passionate and we know that you guys are too so if you're listening today we want to say keep doing the good work keep doing the planet's work and we're zero waste trash talk and we're going to keep talking trash so if you have any questions if you have any ideas please don't don't uh not what am i trying to say don't hesitate don't don't hesitate thank you i'm i'm working on my verbiage here my vocabulary in this podcast too i'm like i don't know that many words (laughs) (laughs) well all right well let's let's break and then we're gonna bring in uh john and talk to him about his experience can't wait cannot wait yet oblivious to the reality that all those goods were made to go bad just doesn't make any sense that every part of peace will end up in a landfill planned 
obsolescence Makes a lot of dollars but no sense And playing obsolescence Let's go shopping What's up, everybody? Now we're back, and I'm Maris. That's Michael. My and friend. we have John Hawkins as our guest for the recycling portion. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what he's gone through in Nashville and in his recycling journey. Um, but first, let's clarify our previous conversation. Uh, <laughs> we discussed the new documentary, The Story of Plastics, and we want everybody to watch that. Absolutely. Um, it's a great thing I think everyone needs to watch. And then we also kind of said since recycling was broken, we shouldn't do it, which, okay, that deserves a little bit of a pass too. If I'm not mistaken, Michael actually probably, I think he mentioned armed insurrection, John Wick style against petrochemical <laughs> companies. Yeah, maybe we should clarify a little bit. <laughs> so he didn't really mean that is what we want to uh, say. <laughs> but, you know, we get worked up over here and we joke a lot too. We're, we're trash talk, so that's what we do. But um, John, welcome to the show. So happy you're here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so yeah, tell me a little bit about how, uh, you know, you got to meet Michael first. So this is the first time we're meeting ever, but I know you've so, met yeah. Michael quite a few times. I guess I came across the Zero Waste uh, Facebook group uh, in Nashville um, sometime last year and uh, started following you guys. Um, and then I think Michael had a post for a dog bed <laughs> and I have a dog and right. uh there was there were several dog beds and I went over there and last year uh, up until February of this year I was working with a small um waste diversion company called Eternal Returns um that mm -hmm. handles uh composted food waste and also recycling recyclable materials for local businesses and um you know uh takes them to uh, their respective vendors and uh, I did sales for them for about a year and a half and anyway I met Michael and we'd started talking talking about zero waste what was the sales what was the sales part like with uh with that with eternal I think sales gears itself to being a very extroverted individual and I'm more of an introvert extroverted introvert so I can do yeah, sales, right but middle. it's not, it's not my forte. It's not my, um, strong suit. I would say I, I'm great one-on-one -on -one with people and enjoy talking with people, but you know, putting myself out there and facing rejection constantly, it's tough. So, um, but you were passionate about what you were doing, right? Because that was, that was the whole point. Very you much were trying so, to get yeah. people to to recycle and to compost and to use your services, which are for the improvement of society. You were doing it for like bigger stores, like Whole Foods and places like that, right? Or Yeah, so when I came on, uh, I guess in the fall, uh, late summer, early fall of 2018, uh, they had about, I don't know, eight or, eight or nine customers. So it's pretty small business. Um, and that's one facet of their business. So they do construction, they do a few other things, um, home good materials and, uh, build furniture and that type of thing. But, uh, the, it's originally started as a waste diversion, um, company because Keegan, uh, the founder used to work at Whole Foods and they, he had a truck. And so they asked him, did he want to, 
um, take the glass to, you know, the recycling facility because they didn't have a vendor for glass, which most places don't in Nashville. Um, so he started doing that and then he got another store and then it just kind of grew and then he got a bigger truck and hired a driver and then just kind of sat on it for several years. And then, um, before I was working with Keegan that, uh, I guess earlier that summer, I, and in that fall in that spring, I had worked with, um, doing sort of organizing zero waste events with, um, by my own. I guess my own volition. I, I did a leadership class uh, in the spring of 2018, and one, part of the leadership class was to do a community project. And I'm passionate about waste, so I did. Um, I wanted to create a, a waste-free event. So I worked with a small um, cool. festival, um, movie festival, movies in the park. Um, that's put on by the Nashville Scene and. Uh, we actually did that again this past past year, I guess 2019, so two years in a row, um, and diverted nice. about 80% of the waste from the, you know, between composting and recycling. Um, and so I worked with, I got to meet a lot of sort of the players and got a seat at the table, you know, in Nashville, which was pretty fulfilling and, and cool mm -hmm. and just interesting to see the, that side of, I guess that side of Metro operations and um, just the businesses that are intertwined with the zero waste mindset in Nashville. Uh, it's pretty cool. So did you, was the leadership thing, what uh, workshop that you took or conference, was that the Al Gore one? No, no, it was, uh, it's, it's kind yeah. of like a personal development course. It's called landmark. It's um, it's its own organization, but, um, the final portion of it is leadership, um, and it just kind of helps you develop your leadership style and your characters and what you're passionate about. And so it could range from anything from like some people did like a comedy thing. Some people did like um, Big Brother, Big Sister. Some people did, you know, what whatever the, your passion was. Um, hey, you you probably I don't know if you saw it, but Maris we did a Maris did a video. We shot a video about uh, the recycling, the trash problems at, uh, which one was it? Oh, Live on the Green. Oh, that yeah. We, what we saw at Live on the Green is that they, they bill it as this, oh, we've got recycling containers, we've got this, and then you walk around and it's just trash everywhere. Nobody's using it. No one's no one's helping anybody right. figure so it out. Right, so they did a great job trying. They, they, they had the initiatives, and they do a good job presenting that to the public, but the public is still not getting it that right. there's more to it. You know, you can't just put a bunch of bins out with, with words on them and expect people to make the right decision or even, even care, take a second to read. It's wild, you know, and it's not intentional. I feel like some people it is, and we're, we're not going to, we're not going to target you. We're going to target the people that actually do care, but we'll go out to these places and not even notice what they're doing. It's just, you see it everywhere yeah. for sure. It's, it's a challenge. And I think, you know, uh, after that, so the movie events in the park, movie nights in the park was a series of four events and each event, you know, we kind of learned something and then graduated and tried to include that into what we we're, what we were trying to do. But, um, I recruited volunteers through hands on Nashville. And so I had at any given one, I probably had 10 or 12 people out there helping me, which, 
you really do have to have volunteers at all the different way stations. And it seems sort of like Mm -hmm. elementary, you know, um, telling people where to put their trash, but that is one of the most confusing aspects of recycling is, is I guess, discovering and deciphering what piece of trash goes in which bin, you know, and that's kind yeah. of a, um, uh, after watching that movie that you guys um, told me about the story, uh, the story of, plastic, of plastic, um, that is one of the hardest aspects of it right. is deciphering, you know, exactly what goes where. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's just so broken that that's, that was our previous conversation where it devolved into maybe we shouldn't even do this anymore. And I know you and I had conversations like that when you came over that day, uh, to get the dog bed that, you know, what, what's the point if we're doing all this work to sort, collect, wash, you know, process at the facility, and then it goes to Indonesia or gets buried in the landfill because there's no value for it anymore. And it almost, so what I was coming to the conclusion, uh, and I wanted to check what your opinion was about this is, is that worse than, than not doing it and moving to like composting or something to focus on that works right now in Nashville or uh... I think I think there's aspects of it that will always be worth it you know there's there's certain materials that are are valuable enough to keep them out of the landfill it's hard it's hard when you start to to include plastic into that because plastic in a lot of cases doesn't have a lot of value especially single use plastic you know um years ago when they put the recycling label on all types of plastic and they have the numbers and most people don't know what those numbers mean or stand for, but you know, there's different derivatives of, of plastic that, um, it's either coming from propane, uh, like a propylene, um, or it's coming from ethane, which is like two, two derivatives of petroleum, um, oil. And so, all the different numbers, they're different byproducts of that plastic that was not used in the production of oil, basically. So that's one of the big talking points in the movie is that most of the plastic is sort of a byproduct of oil production. And so if oil usage or oil consumption drops dramatically, um, plastic becomes sort of a fail safe for all these different companies that want to you know, um, increase their revenue where it's lagging, um, by generating more plastic, producing more plastic. There are materials that are worth recycling. I would say paper for sure. Um, paper, cardboard, um, metals, you know, are infinitely recyclable. Um, it's just plastic. Every time you recycle them, they degrade. Um, so they become less and less and less valuable. So it's, I, I would say maybe, you know, if you could, if we could re-educate, focus a re- huge re-education campaign to the general public as to what is valuable and what is not, um, and then try to go towards the companies and say, you know, mm. maybe we need to rethink how we're packaging different products and either try to use less, you know, disposable items. I don't know, rethinking it. As far as like when I traveled uh, years ago, I traveled to South America and like Coca-Cola, for example, had bottles um, that you would reuse, you would use at the store. And then when you're done with them, you'd pay it or you pay a deposit. When you're done with them, you take them back 
and it's a very rigid, you know, plastic. It's probably a, a number five, a polypropylene that you can use multiple times and it can be washed out, reused. And it, this has sort of like an industrial top on it, you know? Um, but it was just in the grocery store. And then when you're done with it, you take it back to the little, um, receptacle in the grocery store and then Coke comes and picks it up, takes it back to their facility, cleans it, refills it, and then puts it back in the store. And then someone else comes and buys it. So I think sort of a reuse aspect like that would be more feasible long-term than relying on recycling only. Do you, do you find like, you know, you're talking about how, you know, towards the end of your stint there at the, at your recycling company that you're almost having to give the content away, the, the recycled content. And I know that, you know, here in town in Nashville on Trinity Lane, there was no, not on Trinity on uh, Gallatin. It was that cash for cans place. And, and through the grapevine, I'd heard that they had some sort of deal with, I think Coors or Budweiser or somebody where they collected aluminum cans by the pound and sold it to the to them for making more aluminum cans for the beer. Um, but the, from what I've heard, the bottoms market dropped out of the market for aluminum as well as everything else because the shipping containers aren't going back across to China full of stuff like they were before. And because a lot of the use for aluminum and these materials, the manufacturing is in Asia. And so it, from what I can tell, even though aluminum is valuable, uh, the bottom has dropped out of the market for it as well. Is that correct? Uh, as far as, as, far you know? as I know, um, so all, all commodity prices have dropped uh, for recyclables. And that is something that is kind of confounding um, to think about because if you, you know, the world population is only growing and materials are not, you know, unlimited. Um, there is a limit to all of our natural resources, you right. know, things are not infinite and you would think that there would at least be a, a baseline level, you know, to commodities where it's not going to, uh, surge and, and fall, um, so dramatically, but they do. And a, a huge part of that in the last 20 months, I would to say to, to 24 months has been, China's influence in the whole global market and that um, was sort of a soft market uh, had a soft bottom in the past because China was buying up all the, the recyclables from all the different municipalities and, and different companies uh, in America and like you said they were going back in empty freight containers so they would send us you know our goods and then we don't really export that much stuff to China so those um, shipping containers were going back empty and instead they filled them with recyclables and then they were just being dumped there. The problem with all that was there was so much contamination that by the time that they received them, the recyclables weren't worth anything. And so um, another aspect that the movie talked about is the, the price of sorting is the only way that it's feasible is because they have low wage labor workers, um, sifting through all the different types of materials and it's the same thing over there um but anyway i guess all the contamination china just eventually said enough with it and we're not taking we're not going to be the world's dumping ground anymore and they stopped it and that was uh late 2017 when that happened so uh, i guess almost three years ago the question i have and maybe you have an insider view to some of this is what happens to 
you know, right now there's no transparency in what is happening to the, you know, what waste management does with, uh, with our uh, recycling. So we talked to um, KW Plastics. There we go. <laughs> we talked to KW Plastics in Alabama, which is like what forty five minutes from here or something like that. Hour, hour, something from here, and uh, they're the world's or this the largest on this continent of the plastic recyclers, and they don't get any of our plastic. So yet our contract with from waste management for the city says that they're not allowed to ship it overseas. Where do you think our plastic's going? Do you think they found a different manufacturer? Do you think they're burying it in the I landfill? I mean, that's, it's possible. I think that is a huge aspect that is is tough with the entire recycling industry is tra- transparency um, and trying to find out where your stuff is ending up. And I think a lot of, when I was in, involved with it, a lot of our customers would want to know, you know, um, where's our stuff going? What is it being used for? And, um, I think in, in certain circumstances, it's, it's verifiable and in others it's, it's not because it's most recycling facilities are, uh, materials recovery facilities. So all they're doing is sorting the materials and bailing it, putting it onto some kind of, uh, you know, either a flatbed, um, container truck, uh, or a container truck or a flatbed truck. And, and either shipping it overseas or shipping it somewhere domestically. And that may be bought and sold more times than from who they, who the original buyer is, you know, so the transparency aspect is very tough to, I don't know, to track down. Is, is that a shuffle game almost? Do you think it's like, oh, you know, who's got it? We're, look under the cup. Here's the ball. We got it moving. We well, don't know. It's a business, We're not responsible. You know? So everything is, is, is supply and demand. And so if there's a market for something, you know, they're just trying to sell it. They're trying to make money on it. Um, so the recyclers, uh, okay. the guy that we took it, uh, took our stuff to is down in Franklin is the municipal um, place for the city of Franklin, uh, the commercial side of it. And he told me, I had asked him several times where the things were, where the materials that we were sending were going. And he told me that the, the bottom had fallen out on a lot of materials and the, the thing that was bringing in the most revenue at, at, uh, the end of last year and earlier this year was mixed paper. And so that, you know, is, is mixed paper and then uh, and office white paper uh, gives a lot of money because that can be reused and made into cardboard and other things that are used um, pretty readily. Uh, the things that have little to zero value is plastic and a lot of the plastics are, are straight up trash, like they did not want them. Um, the things that were accepted were number one and twos and that's your um, polypropylene uh, sorry, that's your um, polyethylene is number one and two. So and a polyethylene is number one. Number two is high density polyethylene. And then number five is polypropylene. So those three items were used. Uh, but as far as their value, basically he was telling me that um, they were giving them away so they didn't have to pay to throw them in the landfill. So that's kind of where we're at right now, that they don't really have a monetary value, but they're they're worth more than, I guess, paying to throw them away. So 
Yeah, and you know, we we kind of looked at this ban that that happened this last year in dismay. We we're all very confused. Like, how can we not take the clamshells and the to-go containers? And is this? But but now it it, it seems like. This has been known knowledge that these types of plastics aren't recyclable for a very long time, and we've just been putting them all in the recycling bin anyway. And it's been making it harder for people to sort through. And we knew all this time that we weren't going to be able to recycle it from the beginning. I feel like this has been old news, and we've been fed this other this other fantasy. Yeah, well, that we can some recycle of those everything. things it's it's tough too because I think some of those the the clamshell packaging some of them if you look at the number on them if and that's really where you have to be i guess t- technically proficient and observant you know because most people don't really look they just assume plastic is plastic but uh, if you look inside the number you know if it's one two or five then there's a good chance that that is recyclable the reason that the municipal facilities are saying that they don't want the clamshell things is because those are food food packaging and most people don't clean their plastic so it's probably better for them to say you know do do not put this in there rather than taking the chance that someone will put it in there with food contamination on it because then that could ruin everything you know so contamination is a huge a huge issue with um, recycling and with composting because when you have over like five percent of contamination it can ruin an entire you know, batch of recycling and force the whole thing to have to be sent to the landfill. And, and the other thing from talking to KW Plastics, they said all of those plastic clamshells are clear and it's not evident on a quick sorting. The sorters can't determine without looking at that little number on them, which we all know is, you know, regulated, self-regulated by the manufacturers. Which a lot um, of people didn't know, you know, all my friends look at those chasing arrows right. and say, it's recyclable. They don't, they don't know what the numbers are. They're not exactly, gonna, they don't know that that doesn't mean it's recyclable yeah, and that's just so, telling you what kind of plastic it is. So everybody's again, throwing it all in and that's why it was contaminated. And, one, now, two, we, and five. now we have one, and, two, one, two, and the and thing is that most five. people don't know that. <laughs> and it. there, there has one of the huge problems with recycling across the country is that it's been fed to the fed to society as like a, a savior. You know, when people talk about sustainability, one of the first things that come to mind is recycling and it's kind of a misnomer because when when they initially started the whole recycling uh process and and rolled it out as like a you know a, a solution for society to to minimize our waste it it's the third step in the chain reduce reuse and recy- and then recycle you know it's the last thing you're going to do before you're supposed to throw something away, you know, and there is no away. It's just going to a landfill. So exactly. All right. Well, I mean, I guess maybe not stop all recycling, but maybe, maybe it would be a bold move to say, we're not accepting the city isn't going to accept plastic and everyone would be all up in arms, but then they'll start asking questions and realize why we can't accept plastic. Well, that's the problem though, Michael, isn't it? It's, it's because we're not told why these decisions are being made the transparency is not there we as a consumer don't know what's going on we as a recycler think we're doing a good thing so if you're going to take away our one way our one thing that we can feel good about and think that we're we're doing our part we're like hey what are we what are we doing we're do we're not doing anything now when it when it's truly 
in the beginning, reduce, reuse, and the products that we're using and the, and the awareness in the, in the shopping cart and all these different players. <laughs> it's like if we, if we could educate ourselves, if, if they could tell us why they were yeah, doing something instead of just banning it, that would make more sense. I think it's, it's tough too because I was going to say it's tough too because sometimes when there's seemingly like a, a groundswell of momentum, around things like uh, a year or so ago is the plastic straws issue. And I love when, you know, uh, society as a whole gets passionate about something and they want to make it right. Um, It's just, it's kind of a misguided approach because, you know, banning straws is great, you know, in the grand scheme of things. It's just people don't understand why you're doing it and what the purpose is and that it's such a small step, you know, and when we could do something much bigger, um, you know, and more so meaningful, <laughs> but like you said, people want to feel like they're doing their part. And if they, um, you know, can, can maybe buy something to replace whatever they're using or, um, just feel like they're doing something to, I guess, negate their, the bad effects that they're also causing. Do you, yeah. do you feel, do you feel that, uh, I mean, one of the things we've been talking about, the only way out of this is if, you know, it's legislation is, uh, have leadership that stands up to the fossil fuel companies and Unilever and Procter and Gamble and all these people and say, you have to use this recycled material as a society. We're not just throwing it away because it's not going anywhere, first right. of all, and, and we're just hoarding it in our it's not a recycle it's just a cycle if they're not going to use it if you're going to produce it you need to figure out how you're going to get it back from the environment extended producer responsibility for sure yeah like in germany yeah i think we need to go that direction and uh, unfortunately i don't think this is the administration that's going to do it so we need to get rid of them and get people in that will i mean it's the only way to make this work legislation and that's and that's the one scary word that no one wants to say ever we don't want to talk politics ever and this is, you know, this is, this is the future. This is our future. So we have to, and I think we are the, the leaders in this and demanding it in so many different ways. And we're, so, we're just so glad that you're here to kind of like give us more perspective on the recycling industry, because after watching the story of plastic, I was under the impression that recycling has just kind of been this bullshit excuse for companies to keep producing it. And keep taking advantage of us and I'm just not down with it anymore and it's frustrating for me to go into a store and know that there are certain products that I that I use that I don't know how to get rid of in my life and I don't know how I know that they're not going to be recycled and it really upsets me but it's I feel useless and so what's what's the next thing we got to do what, what do we have to do to be to be heard and I think putting people in charge and getting those people to the, to Congress and making those yeah. laws. Well, I think formats like this is a great way to engage the public and to increase awareness to the issue. And, um, you know, public awareness is probably just like you saw with the straws, you know, even though that was a minor thing, you did start to see not only in bigger cities like Nashville, Atlanta, in the Southeast and beyond, Um, of course, like, you know, California, Pacific Northwest, New England, all those areas are ahead of the curve. It does really shift public awareness and public conversation around things that 
you know, what is it that individuals can do to, to move the needle on these grand sweeping problems? I, re- I really love what you said about yeah. people coming together and being passionate. I really like what you said about that, but it's true. It's a small thing, but it, it means a lot that we can sure. over one video be touched in our hearts and be like, wow, we'd really need a change. And that's why the story of plastics yeah. is so great. Yeah, I already that, made like three or four friends of mine watch Annie it. Annie Leonard, right? Because <laughs> I'm like, she did you have story to of see stuff. this. This is the truth. I think her name's Annie Leonard, Annie Leonard that did that. Oh. Just to sum it all up, um, John, thanks for coming on the show with us and talking trash with us. Is there anything, you know, any message that you want the people to hear on your behalf? Uh, What what do you have going on sustainably or, you know, what, what things are you passionate about right now? Well, I, I'm kind of in a transitional moment in my life as far as figuring out what the next step is. Um, I, I spent, you know, 18 months, uh, working in, in a field that I've, do still consider myself very passionate about. I just, the aspect of, um, you know, waste diversion through compost and recycling is great. Um, and in certain contexts, but it's, it's not for me. One of the aspects I guess that I realized from the whole thing is, is it's important just like recycling is kind of the last step in the process for me. I want to kind of go back to, and I think I was telling Michael this to kind of go back to the start of the process. So like maybe working for a company that's, um, you know, making the packaging or whatever, creating some sustainable alternatives to the current practices that we're doing now. That's, that's yeah. where I want to focus my energy. So, um, awesome. personally though, I've been dealing with, uh, rebuilding my house after the tornado for the last couple oh, months. Yeah, it's been, a, been an ordeal. Um, March 3rd, oh, tornado man. hit Nashville. Well, I'm glad you're, you're okay. And it's just a little house. Yeah. Repair alive and well, do. and I have insurance, so everything's okay. Oh yes. <laughs> Adulting right on. But I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll continue this conversation. It's going to keep going. So maybe down the line we'll, uh, we'll team up, join forces and, and make this thing better. Sounds good.